1: Welcome to our number two of the morning after live right here on this Thursday on the Spiz Grizz Network. That's Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159. That's the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for being here with us on this Thursday, Thursday night football between the Buccaneers and the Ravens tonight in Tampa Bay. A preview later on in this second hour, the World Series starts tomorrow in Houston. Our World Series preview with one of the best baseball minds out there the man known as Bert, Bert Murray, joins us here on the morning after as well. Later in this second hour, we'll go around the National Football League. But first, we start going around the association. The second week of the NBA now underway here in this regular season. And there is only one undefeated team left in all of the league. That would be the Milwaukee Bucks, improving to a perfect 3-0 mark last night, winning at home inside the Pfizer Forum, 110-99, over the Brooklyn Nets Milwaukee not only the only unbeaten team straight up but the only team that is left undefeated and perfect against the number as the Bucks cover as a three and a half point home favorite a total that was up there at 231 a regular season NBA total does stay under now a pretty big night for Kevin Durant going over his points prop of 28 and a half 29 and a half finishing with 33 points Kyrie Irving goes over his points prop as well 27 points Giannis whoa What a performance that was last night 43 points 13 boards well over his points prop of 32 and a half and Ben Simmons struggles a little bit four points only but nine assists but it's a big win for the Bucks again remaining perfect the only undefeated team in the NBA and a statement win for Milwaukee but an interesting bit of movement in the NBA title odds that we'll look at in just a moment featuring these milwaukee bucks despite the win last night as we keep our attention on the eastern conference the sixers only have one win this year and that's where things remain after a trip to canada last night to take on the toronto raptors the raps actually booked as a slight two two and a half point home underdog last night they went outright over Joel Embiid and james harden and the sixers yesterday up in the great white north 119 109 now it was a contentious wednesday here for our bye 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 best bet on the morning after of course we are a family our producer john shames an associate producer in joe Frizo, battling it out which side was the better number for the 27 and a half points prop for Joel Embiid? well he goes over that number so john shames gets the last laugh jojo finishing with 31 points albeit in a losing effort because every starter for the raptors showing that depth in toronto scoring in double figures led by gary trent jr five of ten from deep finishing with a team high 27 points so i mentioned some interesting movement in the nba title odds in fact now entering the second week of the nba season the first time we've really seen market movement from that futures perspective as we have this seven or eight day sample size the Boston Celtics, for most of the summer, were the favorites to win the title. But then their head coach, Ime Odoka, suspended by the franchise for the entirety of this year. They moved behind Milwaukee to win the East and the championship. Now they move back in front of the Bucks. They're a plus 500 favorite. Milwaukee, 50 cents behind at plus 550, despite Milwaukee being the only undefeated team and a pretty impressive 11-point victory last night at home against Brooklyn, covering as a 3.5-point favorite on that list you won't see the la lakers we'll discuss that in a second as we welcome in our sports grid radio audience here the second hour of the morning after live right here all across the sports grid radio network sirius xm channel 159 all of our terrestrial radio affiliates i am ben stevens thank you for joining us here on this thursday on the morning after week number two of the nba season and some movement in the odds board right now as it pertains to winning the NBA championship. Scroll down the board with me here, if you will. The Lakers, whoo, that's a much larger price than it was just about seven days ago. 42-1 to 1 right now for LA. Why? They are winless. They are 0-4 for the first time for the franchise since the 2015-2016 season. The first time for LeBron James, who is playing in his 20th NBA year. Since his rookie campaign with the Cleveland Cavaliers back in 2003, 2004. And the Lakers shooting well below 30% from deep last night, eight of 30 on the road in Denver against the Nuggets. Nikola Jokic, a big night, a double double near a triple double. And the Lakers, oh, and four this year, they have not covered as well. Oh, and four against the spread. Speaking of Los Angeles and speaking of covering teams, the Clippers go on the road tonight to Oklahoma City. They are a seven, seven and a half point favorite against OKC this evening. Now, the Thunder have won just one basketball game this year. The Thunder don't necessarily have much optimism despite a young core of SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Josh Giddy, and what the hope was for the number two overall pick in Chet Holmgren. Now, the Clippers are the favorites to win the Western Conference. Chet Holmgren will not play, obviously, for most of this season. But the Thunder continue to cover. They are 3-1 and one against the spread. The only game they have not covered this year, all four, booked as an underdog. They were a 9.5-point dog, and they lost by 10 against Minnesota. The Thunder were the second-best cover team in the NBA last year, a cover percentage of 615 half. This Thunder team can cover, so keep an eye on that for the seven-point spread this evening against the L.A. Clippers. Now, there was an undefeated team out West. It was the Portland Trailblazers, but they drop to 4-1 and one this year because the Miami Heat go on the road last night and get a victory. They win. They will be a six-point underdog against Golden State this year, or tonight, I should say. It's a six-point spread in favor of the Dubs. Again, the Clippers the favorites in the West. Golden State right behind we come back on the morning after with some nfl news and notes up next live right here on sports
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com
1: Welcome back to The Morning After, live right here on this Thursday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM, Channel 159. I'm Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us. Week number eight of this NFL regular season begins tonight. We're almost at the halfway point of this NFL regular season. Week number nine is next weekend. It's an 18 week NFL regular season now, 17 games for all 32 NFL organizations. That's a ton of numbers. Here's some more as we go around the nfl right now with some news and notes reportedly according to espn's field yates 90 percent that's the other number 90 percent of the first team offensive reps yesterday at practice were taken by mac jones for the new england patriots because that has been the question for the pats this week in the nfl who's going to start on sunday in metlife against the new york jets will it be mac jones second year quarterback during his rookie season finishing as the runner up for offensive rookie of the year a pro bowl berth and a playoff berth for his team or will it be the rookie quarterback bailey Zappi, the fourth rounder out of western kentucky it would seem right now that mac jones is slated to get the start against gang green on sunday in metlife that is interesting given where things were last week mac jones did start on monday night against the bears but had a very quick hook only three offensive possessions punt punt terrible interception no that did not hit the sky cam wire you weirdos it was a bad pass from mac Jones. Will he have a quick hook yet again or will Bill Belichick allow him to get into rhythm? Speaking of Bill Belichick, those are all reports. We're not going to know who is starting officially for the Patriots under center until Sunday probably around 12:30 p.m. Eastern Time as they look to get back with Mac Jones, the return of the Mac, ha ha ha, and the return of the New York Groove in MetLife on Sunday. But the line has moved in favor of New England. It was one and a half earlier this week with maybe some uncertainty around the quarterback position. Now it's two and a half in favor of the Pats on the road against the New York Jets, who I think are very comfortable in this spot as an underdog. However, the only two losses for New York this year have come as a home underdog. They are five and two straight up this year. They were booked as a favorite for the first time last week on the road In Denver. So, four of their five victories outright as an underdog this year. Now, we talked about the Offensive Rookie of the Year awards earlier this week with Brees Hall, the very talented running back for the New York Jets, tearing his ACL in the win over the Denver Broncos. So, a bit of bad news. He is expected to miss the rest of this regular season he was the betting favorite to win offensive rookie of the year in the national football league this year that is now kenneth walker the rookie running back for the seattle seahawks but defensive rookie of the year the favorite still plays for the new york jets his name is sauce sauce Gardner, the outstanding quarterback who is already becoming a shutdown corner for robert sala and that new york jets Defense. He is the favorite right now. A plus 200 number live on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Tariq Woolen, a fantastic cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks and an athletic marvel, has the second best price at plus 350, a dollar and a half behind Sauce. And the third best number was the second overall pick, Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher out of Michigan, staying in his home state, playing for the Detroit Lions. And we'll look at the Lions game this week because Interesting from that spread perspective. In just a moment, Hutch is ten to one, in fact, to win the thir- uh, to win the Defensive Rookie of the Year. That is the third best number. Aiden Hutchinson, four and a half sacks so far this season for Detroit, but all of that production coming in just two games. He will look to get after Tua Tagovailoa and the Dolphins this week in the Motor City as the Dolphins head to Detroit. Now Miami, only a three and a half point favorite on the road against the lions of course the lions last year were the best cover team in the national football league when booked as an underdog they were 11 and 6 against the number in the first year under dan campbell all 17 games booked as a dog and they covered in 11 of them the hope for detroit of course and i said this multiple times in the offseason, was those games where they were competitive not expected to cover numbers and they did keeping games within margin that The optimism and the growth for the next year would be those covers in close games would turn to wins in close games. That has not happened this year. The Lions are just one in five straight up, and they have not covered in three straight games. They did cover in their first three games of the year, booked as a short underdog in all of them, and they were still finding ways to cover the number under Dan Campbell, but they have gone three straight without covering a three and a half point dog at home against the Miami Dolphins this upcoming Sunday. We know the Dolphins are very good with Tua Tungabailoa under center. They are a perfect 4-0 straight up in the games that Tua has started. They are three and one against the number and the Lions are the worst scoring defense in the National Football League. Only gave up 24 against the Dallas Cowboys this past week. That's a slight win for Aaron Glenn and that Detroit defense because they were giving up, on average, 34 points per game in their first five this year. That's why you see the number at 51 and a half between the Dolphins and the Lions in Detroit on Sunday. It is the largest total, I believe, for the entirety of this Week 8 slate. Yes, I believe that is the case right now you would expect to a tongue of tyreek hill and jalen waddell and that miami offense to find its groove certainly against the lions on sunday they scored on the first three offensive possessions this past sunday night at home against the steelers four of the first five first half offensive possessions before being shut out in that second half it will be a much longer trip even for miami making the trip up to detroit for the denver broncos in fact they've already made the trip to london Now, I'm not entirely sure what is happening with the Denver Broncos. I am not entirely sure what is happening with Russell Wilson. It almost seems like a satire at this point. It almost seems like a mockumentary sitcom for Russell Wilson and what we have seen and heard out of Russ this year. Apparently, on the the eight-hour flight yesterday to London, Russell Wilson landed across the pond and told reporters that he worked out for half of the flight even doing high knees up and down the aisle as his teammates slept as he looks to recover from a hamstring injury that kept him sidelined last week and the Broncos loss to the Jets if that was a commercial flight and it wasn't certainly but if that was a commercial flight Russell Wilson would be public enemy number one on that plane Russell Wilson would be the guy that applauds when the plane lands in London I don't know what to make of that. He worked out for half of the flight. It's an eight-hour flight from the Mile High City across the pond to jolly old London, and he was working out for four of the hours? Just chill, dude, and eat a Subway sandwich. Wild, wild things going on with the Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson at this moment and it's interesting yes the danger witch botch thank you our associate producer andrew Glupo, making sure i know what the subway sandwiches are called although apparently they've been pulled off the menu at various subway locations around this country anyway i don't know if there will be danger Witches available in london because the broncos go to play london's nfl team the jacksonville jaguars and- The market across the board, as we showed you yesterday, Denver moving back to 120 to one to win the Super Bowl, $103 of negative movement against the Broncos. Well, this individual game also doesn't look very good for Denver, a two and five team this year, a two and a half point underdog against the Jags. It is not a joke calling Jacksonville NFL's London team. They have played nine times across the pond they are back in wembley stadium where they played for seven consecutive years leading up until 2019 last year they played a london game at tottenham stadium this year they're back at wembley it is the ninth game for the jaguars in london i honestly don't know if it's because of the jaguar being like the british vehicle but there's something there Jacksonville will play its ninth nfl london game but this year for the jags as a favorite Both 0-2 straight up and of course then against the spread. The Broncos are 2-2 ATS as an underdog this year. Winning outright in one of those two games. Our focus now on the World Series. The 2022 Fall Classic starts tomorrow in Houston. We preview it next
0: sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com the
1: 2022 world series starts tomorrow in houston between the astros and the phillies a full-blown world series preview here on the morning after live on this Thursday. And one of the best to help us preview the fall classic is Bert Murray. He is back on the morning after a national major league baseball insider for fan cited and Bert, although the focus of the baseball world is on Houston. Between the Strohs and the fills for the other clubs around Major League Baseball, a lot still moving like some breaking news that you have for us on this Thursday morning. As it pertains to the Milwaukee Brewers franchise, what's the big move and what does it mean for the rest of the league?
2: Yeah, so David Stern stepped down as Brewers president of baseball operations this morning, and that is a move that has been widely discussed in league circles for at least a year. And it's something that Sterns has even said that he talked to Mark Antanasio, the Brewers owner, about um, for quite a while too. And it is a very... This is a significant move for the Brewers. There's no other way of putting it Mm -hmm. because Stearns is one of the best executives in baseball. He's still very young. like He's in the peak of his career. And this move only signals that he is going somewhere else within the next year because he can't leave now. He's still got a year left on his contract. Um, So Mm -hmm. he'll stay with the team in an advisory role. um, But he'll end up spending more time with his family and recharge the batteries before he takes on that new position, which many people expect will either be with the New York Mets and Steve Cohen or Mm -hmm. it will be going back to Houston and being a lead executive there. And even though Houston has been phenomenal um, in recent years, there's talk that James Click, their general manager, could be out after this year, which there's got to be reasons for that. But Stern's being available now for these other teams. His phone line is going to be busy.
1: A lot of moves happening that don't just affect the Milwaukee Brewers but the rest of Major League Baseball and leave a lot of hmm out there to see where David Stearns might go next. But we're hearing from executives and even team owners Hal Steinbrenner yesterday, Bert, saying that Aaron Boone will be back as the New York Yankees manager. So tons of moves happening in Major League Baseball outside of the World Series. But let's focus on Houston and Philadelphia game number one of the 2022 fall classic tomorrow the astros a favorite in the series Bert. a minus 190 series outright favorite to be your world champions the phillies have been an underdog every step of the way here in october and that's where they remain but this is one of the largest gaps we have seen not just from a series price perspective but in terms of regular season wins for two teams facing off in the world series the astros won 106 games in the regular season the phills only 87 do you think there is a large gap though with how the both with how both teams are playing at this moment
2: yeah if you would ask me that question during the regular season i would have said that the gap was extremely sizable and this series could end up being over in four games like that was, it was that big of a disparity but with how the phillies are playing now um that gap is not as large as i thought it would be um and it's surprising that you see the odds that um that widespread there. Like that being said, the Astros are still the favorites here. Like they're by far and away the best team in baseball, but um, like the Phillies are playing at a level right now. That is, they can beat anybody because they have an offense with Harper, who is the best player in baseball at this point, Kyle Schwarber, you have JT Rulamudo, you have Reese Hoskins, who's been resurgent, a good, like a really good one, two in the pitching staff with Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola and a bullpen that's been, that's exceeded every expectation, including mine. Um, yes. So they have the recipe to beat anyone, including Houston. Still have the Astros winning it, but stranger things have happened.
1: The Phillies have been an underdog in every series so far here in the playoffs, dating back to the Wild Card round against the St. Louis Cardinals. And the Phillies have not had home field advantage in any of the three series to get to this point. And they won't have home field advantage for the World Series game number one in Houston tomorrow night the Astros are a favorite they will start Justin Verlander the Phils going with Aaron Nola so Bert as you look at that home field advantage what do you expect the atmosphere to be like for game number one tomorrow night in Houston it is
2: going to be absolute chaos um, and I'll tell you like these World Series games they are I mean they're just they're fun like it's everything you want in a good sporting event and then some and this features two of the most rough, like wild fan bases. And I mean that like in the best way possible, because you guys know I'm an Eagles fan. I'm like, I, I I understand Philly fans. So yeah, yeah, it's going to end up being, and it's going to be a big test for these Phillies pitchers too, whether or not that like Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola can hold up in those kind of environments. And I fully expect that they can. Um, But this is, this is a rather big test. And if they can steal one of those games in Houston with one of those pitchers, this series could be flipped upside down. Um, so like that to me is such a huge storyline, uh, going into game one here is, can they do this?
1: So Bert, for most of this week, Justin Verlander had been named the starter for game one for the Astros, but it was to be determined for the Phils. yesterday, Rob Thompson, giving that nod to Aaron Nola, not Zach Wheeler. What did you make of that decision?
2: I thought it was a right move. Personally, it gives Zach Wheeler another day of rest, um, because mm-hmm. they've ridden him pretty hard. And Aaron Nola is the kind of guy that I think is going to be a good tone setter for this game one. Um, so I didn't have any issue with it whatsoever. Um, and it also like, let's say this series ends up going six or seven games. You're going to end up getting at least two, two appearances out of those guys. And they're going to be fresh, both of them. Um, I think that's crucial. And I mean, that's the best way of maximizing it for them.
1: And when you look at their game one strikeout props, Aaron Nola, at five and a half Justin Verlander on the other side the number moving as I speak it's six and a half but the under has the heavy juice Bert for tomorrow just who gets the start between these two who do you think has that pitching edge
2: you know I I would lean the Astros in uh, for in terms of a game one starter and I say that and I'll get I'll give you like the full perspective here is Verlander struggled in his first start Or in one of his first starts in the postseason, and like Aaron Nola, for the most part, has been very good, except for one little bad outing too. But Verlander has the postseason experience. He's facing like that Astros rotation can strike out any hitter with the best of them. Uh, We got to see that against the Yankees, where the Yankees seemingly struck out like fifty percent of the at bats. It was just it was a mind boggling amount. So if we're looking at strikeouts, it would definitely take the Astros. Um, But that's going to be. I mean, throughout this entire series, but especially the first two games and potentially game six and seven, the pitching matchups are going to be freaking phenomenal. Um, And I I think that's really exciting. It's not going to be unless I'm totally looking at this wrong. uh, This is not going to be like a high scoring game. This is going to end up being like a, a pitcher's duel for sure.
1: And that is going to be a fascinating story to follow throughout this World Series because the offenses out of both of these clubs that we have seen here in the postseason. I mean you look at Philadelphia and what Bryce Harper is doing right now. It is truly tremendous and you can bet on how many runs we will see throughout the entirety of this fall classic. It's 41 and a half right now between both the Astros and the Phillies and the over has the juice so Bert you mentioned those pitching performances. We can expect here between the Astros and the Phillies. What do you make of what the offenses will show us as well?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, the offenses, they're definitely going to put up runs. Like, don't get me wrong there. But we could see a lot of these runs scored in, like, games three, four, and potentially five Um, just because um, Philadelphia is really top-heavy with their rotation with Aaron Noah and Zach Wheeler. I mean, the rest of the rotation can definitely be had. Um, but the Astros are, are certainly much deeper there, so I, um, and they have four really quality starters. Um, so I think we could end up seeing more runs later on in the series as to opposed. So I bet you that line could end up coming down um, throughout the series, or at least the first two games of the series. Um, so if that line is still up, I don't know about that. But um, I, I would exercise patience with that, and then we're going to end up seeing a decent amount of runs after that, or after games one and
1: two. Okay. Yeah, the over-under for game number one tomorrow night is reflective of that great postseason pitching matchup between Verlander and Nola. It is just six and a half. So, Bert, in the championship series in the American League, the Astros swept the Yankees just four games. In the National League, it was a five-game series between the Phils and the Padres. Will it be longer in the World Series? Do you think we could see seven games and go the distance between Houston and Philly? I
2: think it goes at least six games. That's been my prediction um, for ever since this ended up coming out is, is is I have Astros in six and I don't think either of these teams um, is going to lose four consecutive games. I can't see either one of them losing four out of five, especially with the way that, I mean, obviously both teams are playing. They're just at a level right now that um, it's, it's impressive to watch. So give me Astros in six. Um, and if it goes seven, oh my gosh, like, I'll tell you like another one or another one with this too is the sports weekend for both of these, like both of these cities is figure you have games one and two. um, It's going to be Friday, Saturday, Eagles play Sunday, and you have games one or three, four and five, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Eagles in Houston to play the Texans on Thursday. (laughs) Unbelievable, man. Like it doesn't get
1: better than that. It is going to be ridiculous. Game number three. The first one in Philly is on Halloween night this upcoming Monday, where we have another sports equinox, where the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, and the NFL all play on the same day. Quickly here, Bert, as we focus individually, Bryce Harper has been sensational this postseason, but so have many for the Houston Astros. As we look at the World Series MVP odds, who do you think steps up on the biggest stage and wins World Series MVP?
2: Yeah, there is... A few guys here that stand out to me, Jordan Alvarez at six and one is somebody who stands out immediately. Uh, Kyle Tucker, uh, he's somebody who I think really flies under the radar nationally. And at 10 to one, that's a pretty good little bet there. Um, Alex Bregman at 12 to one too is another good bet. So you can't, you can't go wrong with any of them.
1: A lot of value with some of the biggest stars in the game. Burt Murray, a National Major League Baseball insider for fans cited. Our favorite in all the sport. Thank you for helping us preview the World Series. More TMA now.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Week number eight of this NFL season starts tonight in Tampa Bay. Thursday night football between the Baltimore Ravens and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs a slight one and a half point favorite. The over under currently stands at 45 and a half. We'll get the full game breakdown in just a couple of moments in helping us to do that and assess where the Baltimore Ravens are entering week number eight. It is Melissa Kim back here on the morning after, live on SportsGrid. She is the Ravens team reporter. She has some of the best insight about what is happening in Baltimore. The Baltimore Breakdown, live right here on this Thursday. Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time on your busy game day to join us here on the morning after.
3: Thank you. Baltimore Breakdown, I love the alliteration there. I'm a big fan of that now.
1: You know what we have to do, Melissa. We are big fans of alliteration here on the morning after. Everybody involved with producing this show. If there is alliteration to be had, we will find it. So let's look at where things are for the Flock's figures right now. More alliteration as we look at the updated odds for the Ravens entering week number eight. Their win total, Melissa, is 10.5. Their odds to make the postseason really strong, minus 430. And the Ravens are the divisional favorites in the AFC North at minus 160 so before we get to thursday night football how would you describe how the Ravens' season has gone up until this point
3: i would say right now inconsistent right they've had the losses that were due to fourth quarter breakdowns complete collapses of the defense and so i would say right now they're still trying to figure out some consistency issues that being said they do have a lot of potential i think to they could have been 7-0 and by this point. I think a lot of the guys yeah. in the locker room have shared that, saying that they've made a lot of mental mistakes. And you think about this defense, particularly in the secondary, they're a little inexperienced. They have some you know, rookies, some new guys. So I think that the maturity and the experience is definitely going to come into play in the next couple of weeks, and we will hopefully see that play out as well.
1: The Ravens are a fascinating team, in my opinion, Melissa, because of what you just mentioned. A 4-3 and football team, above 500, a winning record, but all three of their losses, Baltimore had at least a double-digit lead at some point in those football games. So you described the mental mistakes. What else has John Harbaugh and the rest of Baltimore pointed to as the reasons they have struggled to close out those games?
3: You know, for me personally, what I've seen in these games is the other team is making adjustments, right, in the second half, in the, th- in the fourth quarter particularly, and the Ravens have not adjusted to the other team's adjustments, if you'll, if, mm. just to put it, uh, you know, just to put it simply, but, you know, they're, they're saying that they have the potential, they have, you know, all the tools here to be an undefeated football team at this point, but I talk to a lot of the guys that are leaders on defense, Marlon Humphrey, Justin Houston in particular, guys who have been with this team and have been in the league for a long time now. And they say that, you know, there's a lot of youth, there's a lot of growing pains in this situation, but they'd rather have them happen now in week six, week seven, as opposed to week 13, 14, when you're really playing a lot more of those divisional games. The crazy thing to think about is is as devastating as these fourth quarter collapses and losses have been, they're still in first place right now in the division yep. which is wild to think about even with a four and three record so there's a lot of emphasis on the divisional games um, a lot of emphasis on just figuring out how to close out these games and you know for the defense for the special teams whoever's on the field at that point to be able to make those particular plays to close out these games
1: closed out a divisional game last week against the Cleveland Browns and of course a divisional game a few Sunday nights back against the Cincinnati Bengals who the Ravens are in that first place tie with at this moment both the Bengals and the ravens at four and three and from the odds perspective melissa baltimore is the odds on favorite a pretty decent gap there at minus 155 to where the Bengals are with the second best price at plus 160 through seven weeks as you evaluate the afc north do you think it's just a two-team race between baltimore and cincinnati
3: Here's the thing is definitely those two would be the front runners for sure. Ravens and Bengals, right? And I know that the Browns have some quarterback issues, obviously with Jacoby reset right now. When Deshaun Watson comes back, are they going to be a different team on offense? I think we'll have to wait and see on that. As for the Steelers, I know a lot of people are not really betting on the Steelers right now. However, again, it is only week eight and Mike Tomlin never has had a losing record in his entire career as a head coach. So I think when you have the chops, the record like that, You can never count Mike Tomlin out.
1: I would agree. I would very much agree. And certainly as an underdog, the Steelers, a 10.5-point underdog against the Unbeaten Birds, Mike Tomlin's team's, Melissa, covering in 63% of their games in his 15-plus years at the helm of the Steelers' organizations, the best against the spread record of any team as an underdog in that span. The Ravens find themselves as an underdog tonight, where they've also been very good under john harbaugh melissa this line actually flipped the ravens entered most of this week as a one and a half point favorite heading to tampa bay now it's the bucks as the home favorite this evening it's a very short spread only one and a half points how competitive do you expect thursday night football to be this evening between the ravens and the buccaneers
3: Listen, Thursday night football is always such a toss up because of the short week, because you're not having those extra three days to normally prepare that you would have on a, any given Sunday. Right. So to speak. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think that a lot of that is due to the personnel and the, That is going to be available tonight we have six guys on the bucks that are already listed as out we have six guys on the ravens who are questionable mark andrews in particular did not practice at all this week and he's never missed a game in his entire career except Mm. during covid And Calais Campbell, who is a big, big leader on the defense and obviously making still making plays as a 14, 13, 14 year veteran in the league. He is out with an illness and Rashad Bateman only had one day of practice this week. So I think the personnel has kind of helped those odds or the line flip.
1: So when you look at the game tonight, just from the breakdown matchup perspective, what do you think is a key for Baltimore if they are going to go on the road and get a win against Tampa Bay?
3: I think third down is going to be so important today because if you look at the film from this past week when uh, the Bucs played Carolina, they did not convert a single third down in the last 35 minutes of the game. That is Mm. wild. And obviously you see the final score of that game this past week. Tom Brady and the Bucs did not score a single touchdown in the game. So I think third down is going to be crucial for the Ravens defense. On the flip side, I think we're going to have to see how the run game figures out for works out for the Ravens because obviously Gus Edwards back, he made a significant difference for the Ravens run game this past week against the Browns. He's just that guy that I kind of liken him to Mark Andrews. When you see him on the field, Mark Andrews, his yak yards, literally off the charts right he just gets those few extra yards that really do matter in getting those first downs gus bus is the exact same way he gets those little few i mean this guy's a truck first of all but like you know he gets low to the ground and you see him just get those few extra yards to get to the third down to get to the first down and that truly ends up making a difference at the end of the day
1: his return in the backfield was key for baltimore a week ago and tampa did struggle last week giving up 21 points against the Carolina Panthers and I'm glad you bring it up Melissa because it was unfathomable for the Buccaneers to be a 13 and a half point favorite on the road in Charlotte last weekend and not just not cover that spread but lose outright by 18 points against the Panthers the Bucs are below 500 the Bucs are just three and four this year and in Tom Brady's 23rd year in the National Football League this is the most his team has struggled in his time in tampa bay so as baltimore gets ready to put together the defensive game plan against the bucks tonight why have the buccaneers struggled in your opinion melissa and what are the ravens keying in on this evening
3: i think that tom brady has you know i think he's still tom brady right i mean at the end of the day like it, A lot of the guys have talked about that this week. That's literally the only name you heard in the locker room from the defense this week from the Ravens defense is Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. But in terms of the weapons that he has, you would think that they would be able to perform a little bit better. Their offensive line, I think, has struggled a bit. There was a couple plays that I watched um, on film this past week of the Buccaneers where, you know, Tom Brady faked the ball once, faked the ball twice, and then none of his receivers were turning around to catch the ball after that. And you're like, hello, the man's trying to throw you the ball. Get open, you know? So I think that maybe the guys on the other end of the ball get getting those tom brady catches haven't exactly been doing their part per se um funny story odafe Owe, who there's been a lot of chatter this week obviously because of thursday night football and, oh like do you have amazon prime john harbaugh's parents apparently you know they're trying to figure out how to use the internet and how to get connected and he said my parents might actually miss a game for the first time in 15 years so but they have good internet apparently where they live but odafe Owe in particular we asked him um if he his parents, his family had figured out, you know, Amazon Prime because he has family in Nigeria and London as well. But apparently, they're all coming to this game, not, you know, oh. to see him play, obviously. But he's like, My family's coming to watch Tom Brady. Like, that's basically yeah. it. Like, I'm cool there. Like, you know, they're coming to watch me too, but they're really excited to see Tom Brady. So, literally, that is the only man's name that this team has been focused on this week.
1: And it is a banged up Buccaneers offensive line. So maybe Adolphe Owe gets in the backfield and gives his family a thrill by sacking Tom Brady on this Thursday evening for for sure that would be huge for Baltimore now we go to Baltimore's offense and the Ravens quarterback in Lamar Jackson the fourth best price to win the MVP at this point through seven weeks of this NFL season and as we look at his numbers and his props for tonight Melissa how would you evaluate Lamar Jackson's play so far this season
3: Lamar's had some consistency issues as well as has had the entire team i think that we're seeing that quite a bit especially in these last two games this these aren't lamar numbers that we've been used to in the last couple of seasons and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of obviously off-season or chatter about his contract and if this is affecting him mentally i think that lamar is still figuring out the offense this year you know because he has the he had jk for a couple jk dobbins for a couple weeks now he has gus and you know there's been a lot of moving parts on the offensive line ronnie stanley who is expected to play full snaps um, at left tackle this week. But, you know, there's been some injuries and there's been all sorts of things happening here. And so I think that we have yet to see Lamar's best game that could potentially come today, I think, or perhaps next week when they've had a lot more rest. So I really think that Lamar has not played his best yet this season, and we still have yet to see that.
1: Melissa, you mentioned earlier, Mark Andrews listed as questionable for tonight's game against the Buccaneers. Mark Andrews does not have a receiving yards prop available as we await his certain status for tonight. He does have an anytime touchdown prop, as does Rashad Bateman, who has a receiving yards prop this evening. Obviously, if Mark Andrews misses Thursday night football, that would be a huge impact for Baltimore's offense. But where exactly would that change the offensive game plan?
3: I think that Lamar is going to have to go to his receivers. Then you think about Devin Duvernay, who had a great game a couple weeks back. You think about some of these rookie guys, tight on Isaiah, likely starting to come into the mix a lot more after he had such a great preseason, we didn't see him a whole lot. This is the thing is Mark Andrews is such a reliable target for Lamar Jackson. He has said that over and over again. We see it in the stat book for the most part with the exception of last week that he gets the most touches out of everybody on the team in terms of uh, pass catchers. Rashad Bateman as well. I think that he has the potential to play today as well. He was also listed as questionable, but. We haven't seen the best from him yet either. He's been battling an ankle sprain these last couple of weeks. And, you know, we saw him back on the field this past week, making some big plays for sure for Lamar Jackson. But I think that you might see some people today, some receivers today that we haven't seen in the past. Deshaun Jackson, I think, of this week. This could be a perfect opportunity Mm -hmm. to see him this week. He's been on the practice squad. He's been with the team for two weeks. And he, of course, is, as we all know, watching him with Michael Vick, is that guy that can catch those deep threats if Lamar wants to throw the ball deep.
1: It's a really good point, and we'll see what the availability is for the Ravens wide receivers and, of course, tight end in Mark Andrews a little bit later this afternoon. The Baltimore Ravens, the odds-on favorite still in the AFC North, tied for first place currently with the Bengals, but they do have the upper hand at the moment. Melissa Kim, the Ravens team reporter, joining us here on the morning after live on this Thursday, helping break down Thursday night football. Melissa, thank you so much for your time.
3: Thanks so much, guys. Hopefully you have a great game tonight.
1: It hopefully will be as well. We round out the show with the best bet for Thursday Night Football next.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Closing out our two hours together here live on this Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM channel 159 is the home for Sports Grid radio on Sirius XM all across the Spiz Grizz network that's Sports Grid and I am Ben Stevens week number eight of the National Football League regular season begins tonight it is week eight of the NFL and it starts in Tampa Bay between the Buccaneers and the Baltimore Ravens the Bucs a slight home favorite again the line One and a half in favor of Tampa. They were the underdog for most of this week. So flipping past zero and the total at 45 in a hook. And despite Tampa's struggles, here I am about to give you a best bet with Tom Brady. Believing that the 45-year-old still has the juice for the Buccaneers at home this evening. So before we say farewell and before we say goodbye, it's time for a Thursday Night Football Best Bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. So yes, Tom Brady is 45 years old. Yes, the Buccaneers are below 500 at three and four. Yes, the Bucs lost last week outright as a 13 and a half point favorite on the road in Carolina. But in that game, Tom Brady was forced to throw the football so often, and maybe not forced. Maybe that's not the right word because for the first two games this year, The Bucs had completely changed their game plan offensively from what we saw a season ago. They were throwing the football nearly 67% of the time in 2021. It was the highest passing play percentage in the National Football League. Then they started running it. It was weird. Now they're throwing the football again. The Bucs are throwing the ball more than 67% of the time so far this year. Again, the highest passing play percentage in the National Football League. And Tom Brady led all of the NFL last year in terms of Of passing completions so his prop tonight in that number is 24 and a half he will go over that because he has gone over that in five straight games for Tampa Bay averaging more than 32 completions in that span over 24 and a half completions for Tom Brady tonight against the Baltimore Ravens it is Thursday night football tomorrow is a football Friday live right here on the morning after on sports grid it starts at 9 a.m. Eastern Time I'm Ben Stevens we'll talk then